podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Somebody at Red Bull clearly didn't get sent the script in advance of this one because they didn't even make it out of Q2. Sergio Perez spinning and Max Verstappen getting dumped out by the stand-in at AlphaTauri, Liam Lawson, who just got into the top 10 to get into Q3 and dumping Max Verstappen unceremoniously by the sister team out of the top 10 and not into the final part of qualifying. So who benefited? Carlos Sainz, two in a row in his Ferrari, followed home by George Russell. Just, ah, it was so close. Seven hundredths of a second behind to split the two Ferraris. Leclerc in third, then Lando Norris in the McLaren and the second Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton, who I must say, Russell seems to have had the pace on all weekend so far. And in sixth, the Haas of Kevin Magnussen. Let's get into qualifying at the Singapore Grand Prix with our man, at the track at the Marina Bay Circuit, Jake Boxall. Like, how are you doing? First time you're covering, actually, uh, the Singapore race. What's it like as a race to cover? You basically are effectively going on normal time zones if you're still in Europe. So it's absolutely bizarre in that waking up at about midday, one o'clock, uh, we're having our breakfast at about two, and um, we're turning in at about four o'clock, five o'clock in the evening. So... It's completely topsy-turvy, and so it takes a little bit of getting used to. It's a night race, and you know you see a lot of that night, so it's a, it's a really interesting one to cover. With regard to the time zones, it, it, you know, I'm still going to be, uh, you know, I'm probably going to have my second jet lag for, for Japan in, uh, next week, so it's going to be interesting from a personal standpoint, but uh, yeah, it's been yeah. loads of fun to wow. cover, loads of great food about, a really cool place to come. It was an amazing result for Ferrari. Didn't quite get the front row lockout. Mercedes split the two. But let's talk about Red Bull, first of all. Uh, I'm sure that Carlos Sainz won't mind us focusing a little bit on that. Perez spun, didn't get out of Q2. We'll get onto that in a minute. Max Verstappen's been unhappy all weekend. And they seem to get worse between FP3 this morning and qualifying. He was swearing on the radio afterwards as well. Had a bizarre moment where he just sat at the end of the pit lane for 14 seconds with the green light on, holding up everyone behind him. What's happened this weekend with Max Verstappen? And I guess, follow-up question, I'll ask it now. What can he do in the race on Sunday afternoon? It's been absolutely bizarre, hasn't it? And I guess let's kind of sort of go through it step by step. Uh, And obviously you all have spoken on the practice podcast about in FP1, he was third place and then seventh in, in, in FP2. Uh, and FP3 wasn't really any better. There were moments where he was sort of within that leading pack and Ferrari and Mercedes were, uh, are at the front of that. Lando Norris is in that pack. Fernando Alonso is in that pack. There's that kind of pack of six and uh, Verstappen was kind of on the brink of that. Wasn't quite interloping in that pack, but it, the suggestions were that, you know, he'd, he'd get through to Q3 but he, he wasn't happy in practice and obviously, you know, he's not someone that's going to go well, you know, seventh is maybe the best we can do so let's sort of settle for it you know the team, him and the team are going to push to to get a little bit more out of the car unfortunately there were some changes between fp3 and qualifying that made what he called it an undrivable car and the issue that he was having was that in the braking zones he was bottoming out that was unloading his front wheel so basically he's got no feeling on the front axle and so basically he's got to try and navigate the corners without really knowing what the car's going to do at the Singapore circuit, it's even more difficult because it's a street circuit, it's punishing, it's unforgiving, and it's very, very hot. 
a really really kind of difficult balance to to to, to find whether that's going to be the same in the race tomorrow we'll have to wait and see but yeah he was not a happy bunny it got to the point where he was on the cusp of of making it in Q2 into the top 10 and he did improve on his final time but he made a mistake into turn three and so you could see him you know wind on a little bit more lock because he had to correct and he had to try and get around the corner and not touch the exit wall and so he I think he lost about three tenths there and although he did improve on his previous time that left him vulnerable and it was Lawson who was just a, a few thousandths of a second quicker that, that put him out which you know from Lawson's standpoint is a, a brilliant performance but yeah if this happened to leave himself open like that it's uncharacteristic of him and it's uncharacteristic of Red Bull to, to have produced a, a car setup that's just not really firing on any cylinders whatsoever it's interesting what you say about balance that's probably the word that Max Verstappen has used most this weekend it's just like they were driving on you know ice today in qualifying you know Perez did one of those really horrible low speed spins where the car's just like nope not turning not turning and they swapped ends what is it about that magic balance of all those things working together that Red Bull are going to be working as you say in your article yesterday Sebastian Boromir or Jake Dennis in the sim all night long to try and work out how do we get some race pace into this thing for Sunday perhaps where one of its key I'm not going to call it a weakness because in race pace it's really really strong and it's, you know, it's a boon to have there, but it's something that is a little bit of a disadvantage for qualifying is that it's a little bit slower to bring the tyres up to temperature. That's not something... I don't know. It's, it's a little bit more of a kind of difficult thing to manage on a street circuit when it's so hot as well. You know, you're managing degradation. You're managing how to get the right energy into the corners when if you're in a slow speed 90 degree corner it's they're quite low energy corners actually and you're not putting a ton of energy through them as you would do through a high speed corner for example so that's something that you have to manage and i think getting the ride heights as well right as well is super important red bull generally likes to run its car very very high but maybe it's not working quite so well here and because you know they've been able to kind of do relatively similar things at most conventional circuits it's like they're sort of flummoxed a little bit by what to do and what to bring and how to get this car to kind of operate around the the Singapore circuit and it's not like you know as much as there there are complaints within the team and it's not reaching its goals it's not like it's lost you know two three seconds and it's suddenly at the back of the field you know it's ultimately maybe half a second that it's kind of shipped in qualifying relative to, to the other teams. It's very, very close here over the weekend um, and everybody's close, very, very closely matched. But it's, you know, it's it's enough of a change to move the Red Bulls from the front of the grid into being, you know, on the cusp of and then being knocked out in Q2. So, you know, it's not catastrophic and it's very, very good for us, the viewer. Um, but obviously, you know, Red Bull is so used to success now that this is, you know, an absolute failure for them. You crunched the numbers after Friday and you said that, you know, Perez's long run pace, fuel corrected, looks like Red Bull on a Sunday afternoon could still be competitive. But this circuit doesn't exactly promote overtaking. And how does the new layout, it's got a bit a bigger straight though, hasn't it? So how does that work into Red Bull's favour or not for Sunday afternoon? Well, this is like caveat, first of all, in the, the, 
those long run pay that long run pace data in that Perez only did five con, uh, consecutive laps on that stint um, at you know representative lap times, and so the pace was good. But ultimately, it's kind of hard to tell where the degradation was because it's not a particularly complete data set. You know, everyone kind of else around him had done double that at least, and so you can. It's not. It's still not like loads, and you're still not reaching the transition point of the tyre and uh, when it starts to go off and that kind of thing. But you still kind of get a little bit more of a picture. Red Bull, you know, shouldn't be discounted, but, um, you know, uh, I think the two strongest teams on race... Well, sorry, three strongest teams on race pace were um, McLaren, Aston Martin and Mercedes. So I think that's probably where we need to look uh, with regards to that. But obviously it's hard to overtake. So Ferrari kind of has the whip hand here as well. With regards to the track changes, it's been really, really interesting because, well, it was conferred an advantage to Ferrari, obviously, because they're they're very, very good in a straight line. Red Bull has been very, very good in the first sector, but everything else, it kind of falls away a little bit. And it's weird to kind of, and, and, and again, I think that's partly difficulties with with that turning and getting the, the the car to bite and actually perversely if you look at it like that I think that if it was the old track layout they'd probably be hurting even more actually because they'd have to be dealing with a floaty front end through the sort of zigzaggy bit under the under the grandstand I think if anything it's probably done them a little bit of a favour <laughs> well you wrote yesterday in in your Friday piece which I always recommend that if anyone's uh, around to read our, our pieces on Friday and Saturday night it really does make a Formula 1 weekend of course we're all tuning in for Sunday afternoon of course it's the main event but uh, we have some some brilliant writers giving fantastic insights for you know, people like myself, just a fan, really, uh, into helping understand the sport. And you, you had a wonderful turn of phrase actually that uh, that's you know, that for Max Verstappen in Singapore that his record run it would be a record to be extended or ended. And I thought, well, yeah, that's kind of obvious. He's either going to win or he won't. But it was just, <laughs> it, it, but it did focus my mind on, yeah, it's either going to be glory or nothing for Max Verstappen because if he's if he wins, it the record is extended, and if he doesn't win here, it's going to be a case of. That record is over. So I don't really want to make you ask you to make a prediction on a Saturday. You know, it's almost like a gotcha when you ask for, for predictions. But Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren up there as well. Safety cars will play a part here. How are you feeling about the the, the Grand Prix on Sunday afternoon? And who's got it's like a few people have actually got a fair chance of getting on that top step. Over the season, we've had this ebb and flow in the battle for second. Uh, some rounds, Mercedes has been the second best team. We've had Ferrari, the second best team. We've had Aston Martin and we've had McLaren. And we've now got a situation where all four of them through either both drivers or one driver in the case of um, McLaren purely because Piastri doesn't have all the new upgrades and Aston Martin because Stroll spent more time bothering walls than he has trying to actually put lap times together. This is a weekend where all four of them genuinely have a chance and Aston Martin's strength and perhaps maybe McLaren's strength relative to that is that they've probably got very, very strong race pace. I think Mercedes is probably the I would say the best all-rounder out of them, and you know Ferrari has probably the best qualifying pace. It's 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 going to be really, really, really interesting. I hope if that comes to pass, if we've got McLaren and uh, Aston Martin able to kind of do a little bit of a better job compared to what they did today, if we've got Ferrari able to defend, if we've got Mercedes able to attack, it's it should be really, really fun. 
But again, you cannot discount Red Bull at all. You know, it's been a dismal, dismal day. There are suggestions that actually they can still do it. And there's the potential for safety cars and there's the potential for a strategic variety. You know, it's really, really marginal if it's going to be one stop or two stop just because DEG is maybe a little bit higher than we're expecting. I think overall, if you have to look at it on balance and say who's looking the best, the fact that George Russell has come out and said, you know, our race pace is good and we've got sets of tyres spare, so we've got the strategic advantage. It kind of suggests how confident Mercedes is that it can take its first win of the season. Asking predictions is only, you know, if you get it right, then people go, oh, well, you know, well done. You you're, you work for Autosport. You should be able to make a prediction. If you don't get it right, it just seems like a gotcha. So, um, yeah, I mean, for, I think it'd be heartbreaking for Ferrari after Monza to then lose a, another lead of a Grand Prix if Mercedes do come through, but there's no doubt, you know, it would certainly do the Mercedes team, a, you know, a world of good, feel good within the team, but it wouldn't disguise the fact that they're on a normal weekend. All the teams are very much off Red Bull. You mentioned Lance Stroll, bought out the red flag, yes, in Q1, which hurt the drivers behind, like Piastri, who you say who, you say, who had to slow down uh, for that because he got on the curbs and had a massive, massive accident. Uh, into the wall. He blamed the Weybridge, which last time I checked was nowhere near the last corner at the Marina Bay uh, circuit. So but, sorry, uh, isn't it? <laughs> he did also say in another statement I saw that he was trying to, quote, send it, unquote. So uh, that just sounds like talent had expired at that point. Um, but yeah, big, big rebuild for the Aston Martin uh, team. And we can't wait to see what happens uh, in uh, in the Grand Prix on Sunday afternoon. I, yeah, I didn't give you the, the exact top 10. Sainz, Russell, Leclerc, top three. Norris, Hamilton, Magnus, and I mentioned four, five, six. Alonso in seventh. And then Esteban Ocon, Hulkenberg in the second. Has the two Haas cars in sixth and ninth. Fantastic. And Liam Lawson, as we did mention earlier in the podcast. Brilliant result to get through to Q3. And yet he starts 10th, uh, but just making a really good case for being on the Formula One grid in 2024 and being paid attention to. Um, Max Verstappen, 11th, as I mentioned, then Pierre Gasly, Perez, Albon, and Sonoda. And I mentioned Sonoda because he was held up badly by Verstappen, who was called to the stewards, and we'll finish finish off with this, called to the stewards for this investigation. Of course, it's Red Bull versus Red Bull, effectively, because they own AlphaTauri. There was no AlphaTauri representative to give their side of the story to the stewards. Therefore, no penalty for Max Verstappen, even though it was definitely impeding. Um, What happened there then, JBL? People were expecting a little bit of a conspiracy theory. And actually, that's what, when we were sat there in the media centre and we read that stewards report, we we were like, well, that's very, very strange because um, obviously it would benefit Red Bull for it, it to go relatively uncontested. But actually... It's a little bit more strange than that because usually you have a situation where you have the uh, the defender and the plaintiff, if you will, uh, to use uh, Judge Judy terminology, uh, both invited to go to the steward's office and basically make their case. The situation was that Verstappen was given the summons to go, but a representative for Sonoda, or Sonoda himself, neither was given a summons to go. And when we read that, we thought, yep, yeah, okay, uh, AlphaTauri's chosen not to go. Um, but then the, the stewards report for Logan Sargent impeding Lance Stroll, that read the same. Aston Martin, you know, didn't 
find out about it until a little bit later and, and it wasn't through a particularly official channel as well as I think I believe it was a WhatsApp message so um, it's, it's absolutely bizarre uh, we don't know whether the FIA actually made a mess of this I think it might have been a stewards issue more than the actual FIA issue itself but yeah it's just a, a bizarre situation I don't know if it affected the penalty too much it's very bizarre that not one of them was um, because there was the Sonoda incident. There was the uh, alleged impeding of uh, Logan Sargent and imp- apparent impeding uh, when leaving the pits as well uh, after the red flag. So it was interesting to see that none of them were penalised. And I think everybody was, I think Verstappen himself was expecting to have a penalty as well. So, you know, he's probably counting himself a little bit lucky that the day didn't get even worse. So, yeah, it's been an odd evening. We were waiting a long time for a penalty to come in, but you would probably expect the Sonoda one to be penalised. You know, we've seen it quite a few times. Uh, I, I don't know why it wasn't. It's a very odd situation. Well, there we go. That's our podcast for today. Thank you so much. Can't wait for Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening where you are and uh, and to see what happens. It's it's the most wide open Grand Prix that we've had all year. And well, let's wait and see what happens. Thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, please do share it with anyone you know who loves Formula One as well. It'd be great for you to spread the word about the Autosport podcast and uh, maybe share it on social media. Uh, or let us know what you think. Uh, again, you can email the show. It is podcast at autosport.com. We have comments, questions that you'd like me to put to uh, our guys, our experts, and I gladly will. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Podcast Network.